This episode is brought to you by First Response. First Response recognizes that not all pregnancies are the same and neither is the road to get there. The First Response brand is fervently committed to supporting, sharing, and empowering all pregnancy journeys and providing accurate information, especially to those struggling with infertility, loss of a baby, and maternal health inequities. With a variety of tests that detect pregnancy hormones early and often, First Response is there for you every step of the way. All First Response pregnancy test products are available for purchase at all major retailers in-store and online. Be sure to pick one up today. A quick note before we get into the episode, Oversharing is a podcast for entertainment purposes only. It is not a medical podcast and does not constitute medical or psychological advice. Always seek the advice of your physician or mental health professional. Hello, and welcome back to Oversharing. I'm Jordana Abraham. And I'm Dr. Naomi Bernstein. So great to be back after a long weekend from when we're recording this. Um nice to get that extra day makes you kind of feel like all days all week should be yes four days on so three true. days off and then you get the short week at the on the on the back end of it so that's nice too exactly to get into today's what we wanted to talk about on today's episode so you have been featured in a few different Cosmo articles um, recently, which is amazing I'm so glad Cosmo is bringing even more of your wisdom to the masses yeah they're fun. And I think one of the the most recent one was titled, seriously, though, is love at first sight a real thing? Um, (laughs) And in the article, they referenced this thing called limerence, which I had been hearing a lot about recently. So I know it's big on TikTok. And then Sammy, uh, Betch's co-founder, my friend Sammy, had mentioned it to me as like an interesting topic of discussion. And then I, so I did a little, little deep dive and I was like, this feels really familiar. (laughs) (laughs) It started as a shallow dive. And then as it started to hit the nerves, the dive got a little deeper. Right. So basically, I guess what limerence is, is sort of like this like unhealthy obsession with, with, it doesn't necessarily even have to be someone you're dating. I think it could be like anyone that you kind of develop like sort of an irrational, like, positive affect for that you're like kind of convince yourself that you're in love with. Um, But I guess it was, I I guess it's a cool name because it seems like the name for like the unhealthy version of that. Yes. Yes. Well, when I think of limerence, I think it's, you know, it could, the, the feeling behind it is a part of, could be a part of a healthy type of falling in love except it's different because there are, you know, some aspects and you said you did a deep dive so you can tell me what you found there. But I Mm -hmm. think a lot of people who are falling in love may have parts of that where you're thinking about the person a lot and, you know, you want to be with them all the time. I'm sure, you know, women, I talk to women all the time that have issues in their female friendships because when someone gets a new boyfriend, they kind of fall off the face of the earth, right? They want to obsessively spend time with this person or, you know, they are obsessively talking about this person. I have the same, I hear that same thing all the time. I can't even go out to dinner with my girlfriend who has a new boyfriend because all she does is like, Oh, Josh had this for lunch and it was so good. And we, you know, whatever, they're just like an obsessive need. Like smitten kind of thing. Yes. So I do think in some ways it is part of the, the chemical cocktail of falling in love but when that's all there is to it, when there is no depth, when there is no intim- true intimacy, when there is no 
dose of reality. How does this person fit into my life? How does this person handle my emotions? How do, you know, the, the real part, then mm-hmm. that's what the distinction is, I think, between limerence and falling in love. Right. In a real, healthy, normal way. Well, maybe I'll, I'll ask you this question. When you said that you've experienced this, how would you say it was different than what you experienced like after you first met Mike, where it really did turn into love versus where it was just like what you would identify as limerence for yourself? Right. Well, I think the difference is when I think of my relationship with Mike versus, you know, other quote unquote situationship type things that I had been in is with Mike, it was like a real intimacy I think. And it was like, it turned into like that into like, you know, I really feel like I'm now I feel like I really know him. And when you're, I mean, when you're, but when you're just meeting someone for the first time, you don't really know them, but at least you're like, it's becoming a more intimate relationship. Um, whereas with these other things, I think there was so much more of like, I'm putting this person on a pedestal. Um, I think they're perfect. I, um, um, I mean, I still had that, like that a little bit with him in the beginning where the, um, the anxiety about the texting, I think that's like kind of normal in the beginning, just generally, but it was more, I think the thing that differentiated it and the thing that really makes it toxic, they were saying, because like limerence on its own is like fine because if one of two things happens, so limerence is fine. If like, if the feelings are reciprocal, like bliss and then like, um, I think eventually it fades as you like actually get into, you know, the secure attached phase with the person and more used to them. Like most people aren't like giddily ignoring all their friends two years into a relationship Mm -hmm. and obsessively thinking about like their text messages. So that's one way I think that it goes away in like a healthy way. The other way is a, an outright rejection of like the person sort of saying I'm not interested. And I think that's another way to make it fully go away. But What I had, which I think made it last so much longer and feel so much more like toxic, is this like mixed signal type situation where I was never like the person was never fully committing to me, but also never like fully rejecting me. So it'd be like a hot and cold situation, um, which I think makes the whole thing that much more addictive and also... It becomes like, that's what makes it like a drug. That's what makes it like a, you know, quote unquote love addiction when it's, when it's that intermittent thing. Because I do think if I had just been rejected by this person, I would have gotten over it. Or if I had just been, you know, if they were my boyfriend, then I would have eventually gotten to know who they really are and not had this image. And I think there's this, this thing in, in your head of like, they're this perfect person because you don't really know them that well. Right. Like if you knew them, no one is perfect. So if you really knew them, like on a deep, real level, you would know that like, like anyone that they are flawed. Right. And sometimes you can even, you know, avoid going there because of the fear that this thing feels so, it's, it's like an obsession. I don't want to give it up. So I almost don't, I'm not going to push to right. go there because I don't necessarily want to shift this. It feels, you know, it's interesting, right? Because you say it's like, um, it's like, uh, like a drug and it literally is, it's probably low serotonin Mm -hmm. and low serotonin is the same thing that happens when people have OCD, they have low serotonin. So it creates this, that chemical cocktail creates this kind of obsessive quality. Um, and instead of obsessing about washing your hands or 
you know, getting sick, you're obsessing about this person and looking to that obsessive object to soothe, you know, your chemistry. And like you said, it's almost like, you know, the other Cosmo article was the one about the three-monther. And the reason why the three-monthers are so common and so intoxicating is because of that intermittent reinforcement that you're describing, where it's like the person's not fully giving you the security that you're describing that then makes you feel calm, but they give you enough that it feels like, oh, I'm, I'm so close, I'm so close, I'm almost there. But then maybe two days later, they don't answer. They withdraw a little bit. And now it it pulls. So it almost like doesn't allow you to sink into in the direction of real love. So I think a lot of these three-monthers probably are like this limerence thing mm-hmm. where you're like obsessive, obsessive. But the person, either the whoever's feeling the limerence or the person usually on the other side, you've been in this situation. The limerent object is yes. the, uh, the person who's like the object of your limerence. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So the limerent object in the case of a three-monther might be holding you at enough of a distance that they're not allowing that security to form and they're not allowing it to turn into a real deep love. I see all parts of you connection, which keeps it, keeps you, and it is, it's a biochemical, you know, and it's, yeah. you know, it's something like norepinephrine is another, is another uh, substance that's released during attraction. And that's like a fight or flight. That's the same thing that we, like if you almost get hit by a car or something like that, or if um, you're in a danger situation. So that keeps us alert. That keeps us, that's that thing of like, I'm very, that thing that feels good. Like I'm very engaged. I'm very alert. I'm very, you know, um, juiced, like people that are looking for that juice. So it's, it is like this little cocktail of hormones that, um, that isn't always in the case of limerence healthy. If it doesn't start to go down that path, like it did with Mike, but maybe it didn't with Mr. X, whoever that Mm -hmm. is, um, go down a path towards some type of true emotional intimacy. Vulner- vulnerability, seeing yeah. their flaws, right? Well, they were saying, I mean, some of the deep dives I was doing, it's sort of like the reason you might almost be engaging in this like long-term limerent activity because you almost want to avoid intimacy, which just seems like counterintuitive because you sort of know in some level that it won't ever work out. So it can be in some ways sort of just like a way of keeping yourself in this like situation where you're not even getting too close either because you know the other person's like eventually going to reject you or reject you when it gets to that point where it's almost at that intimate phase. Yes. And I I talk to a lot of people where they'll say, you know, I want a boyfriend. I want a boyfriend. This is, you know, women that are, you know, heterosexual. I want a boyfriend. I want a boyfriend. And then they keep finding guys that are like pretty good and interested and you know, want a second and a third and a fourth date and call and text and are responsive, Mm -hmm. then they kind of are disinterested. And it's like, do you want the boyfriend? Do you want the actual boyfriend, the guy who's sitting on the couch with you doing the thing? Or do you want like the chase, the chemical excitement of the chase of the boyfriend and, you know, for someone to want you that's kind of holds you at a distance. And a lot of people after exploring it in therapy after all, they might realize, you know what? I don't know that I actually want a boyfriend. I just want to, you know, date men that kind of 
it's a little bit of a chase. It's exciting. And then I'm not ready for the real thing, which is okay yeah. also, you know? I wonder, because there is this sense, if there's certain personality types who are just like a little bit more interested in that, and that might be me to an extent where it's like, sometimes I feel so secure in my relationship that I almost crave being like fucked with a little bit, right. which seems like, just to say it out loud, seems really unhealthy. Right. Uh, but I think I was talking about this on a You Up episode recently where like I went on a girl's trip and then like I called Mike like the next, we like didn't really, we hadn't really texted that much the night before. And then I called him the next morning and he didn't answer. And then he, he called me back like an hour later and I was like, what is going on? This is so hot. Like, where are you? <laughs> like, yeah. Are you playing totally. a game? Cause it's working like, right. Like, and I got, you know what I mean? You get like a little bit of that, like, and I think, is, is it like, is that super unhealthy or is that, can that be like, okay, in somewhat of a normal dose? Because I'm like, it feels like wrong that I find this kind of hot. Right, right. Well, I think it was just like that juice that we're talking about. And it literally is a chemical thing. Like if he would have texted you, good night, love you or whatever, good morning in the morning, you would have woken up and you would have just thought about like what you were going to have for breakfast or what your plans were for the day. But because you didn't get that reassurance, it was like Mike was on your mind And I don't know if there was some actual thoughts of like, is he with another woman or if it went that far, if it was just like, it feels exciting to be thinking about my partner a lot again. Right. Like that feels just the thought of like, instead of thinking about like what we're going to do on our girl's day, I'm thinking about him. I'm wanting him to call me. I'm wanting to hear his voice. I'm wanting that connection. And maybe there was just some excitement in like, wanting that again or not taking it for granted. It's almost like the way someone gets, if there's, you have a near death experience or somebody, you know, gets really sick or has a car accident all of a sudden you're like obsessed with them and you're so grateful for them and you're so present in their, you know, I think there's something to be said for that idea of just like having that little chemical moment of fear. Right. Yeah. No, I think that helps you like appreciate what you have. Although it's funny when I was dating, I always found that my friends who were always in relationships were like more turned off by that behavior. And I was always more turned on. Like, right. and that's why they were always in these like long, because if, a, if they were dating someone and they would like not hear from them for like an hour, they were like, okay, well like F that person. Right. Um, whereas I would be like, now I need them even more. Yes. I think with this, the limerence concept, there is a bit of that, that it is coming from an unhealthy place or that it is coming from, you know, a traumatic experience that leaves you feeling like an insecure attachment. And so maybe you're comfortable in that, or that feels like it's, um, you know, it's a feels like home. right. 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 So I, you know, I do think you know, not to say that you're not healthy because you're experiencing that or that your relationship isn't healthy. But I do think that you, you're biochemically wired, I think, to feel engaged and juiced up and excited by the withdrawal of Mm -hmm. affection and for, you know, for whatever reason, where like you said, some other people, if they feel a withdrawal of attention, that might feel not good, or that might feel that make might make them feel angry or disconnected or less interested. So everyone's kind of 
coming from their own place with it. But yeah. And I think part of, I mean, like that used to be like the only way that I sort of activate was like in these relationships. So I do think that there is something that comes with like therapy and like, I think being at a point in your life where you value stability and like connection and like a real more meaningful, deeper connection than that feeling. It's kind of like, why do people binge drink in college five nights a week and then not do that later in life? It's because they value different, like you grow up and you're kind of like, yeah, that was fun at times or like, you know what I mean? That was a rush up and down maybe, but now I'm kind of looking for, I value the stability and security of like not being in that addiction more than the high of it. And I think that's sort of what helped me get to a place where, yeah, there maybe, maybe that's like a little bit there. I always have like a little bit of that inside me, a little bit of like that feeling. And I think that's okay, but it's not like ruining my life. Right. And and look, I think there are ways that couples can capitalize on that in a healthier way than like, don't answer my texts and then you're going to get sex when I get home. You know, like um, you can capitalize that, capitalize on that by doing, and this is biochemistry too, doing things together that are new for both of you that are kind of outside of your comfort zone. It's like, I always think of the, the bachelor effect like, why do these right. people fall so madly in love in six weeks? Because they're jumping out of a plane together and because they're traveling together and they're exploring new cities together and they're doing these things that maybe are slightly uncomfortable or just a little bit anxiety provoking. So they're getting some of those, like, you know, some of that chemical, but it's not because the other person is withdrawing right. or the other person is withholding emotion. It's just because they're in an environment that's creating that. And then they're able to connect and kind of, you know, deeply support each other and have that attraction and that attachment with each other within a context that causes some type of, um, that biochemical anxiety. So you can, you know, for example, if you find that you're craving that with Mike, when you're away, maybe you do something that is out of both of your comfort zones together as a, you know, kind of spice it up experience. Yeah. Something that like external to produce the adrenaline right. rather than like an internal turmoil. Right. And I think recognizing it probably the first step, but I thought it was an interesting concept. I'm, it, it's, I feel like it's nice that it has a name. Yes. Because it does describe a very specific feeling that I think everyone has felt to some degree, probably some more toxically than others, but interesting. But I also think it's the same, and I know we have to move on, but last comment on this. I think it's the same thing that a lot of people, when they're dating, they're like chasing that limerence feeling. They're chasing that like obsessive feel. Like if I don't have that, then then it's not love. You know, I think a lot of people feel like in order to feel love, you need to have that like obsessive quality or maybe they felt that with some person in, you know, senior year of high school and it was limerence and it wasn't real deep love and it wasn't, it was like a fantasy and now they're forever kind of chasing that thing again just because it's like, I saw, you know, the, the view from the top of the mountain and I'll never accept anything other than that. Yeah. A very, like a, a lifelong sort of like feeling of like the spark of like, I need to feel this spark, which the spark I think can often be just a sign of like a high anxiety, stressful relationship. Right. It's like the flip side of that. Good point though. 
Spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up. Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, tap into your power, and get ready for summer. I take their yoga classes at least twice a week. I also love their core classes. I love that I can take it anywhere I go. If I'm traveling, I can always do a class. You can filter the classes by ones that don't need any equipment. I'm looking to get healthy. I'm looking to like feel good. And Peloton just makes it so easy. Peloton accommodates your schedule with a variety of class lengths to choose from. Even if you only have five minutes, Peloton has classes for you giving you the flexibility you need to move your body. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and mood. If you can't run, take a walking class. If you want to level up, go to their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Or try yoga if you just need to ground yourself. Move at your own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take the guesswork out of working out so you can jump right in, keeping your fitness journey fresh every day. Peloton has everything you need to get where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. All right, let's get into our episode. If you guys have an email, you can send it to oversharingyourbatches.com. If you want to leave a voicemail, you can call 646-363-6294. Leave us a voicemail. Um, but let's get into today's episode. I could read the first oversharing email. All right, go for it. Okay. Dear Dr. Naomi and Jordana, I sincerely love the show and love your perspective each week. I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed the reminders that anxiety lives in my body to calm myself. Thank you for all that you do. I will get into it. Recently, I've been questioning my gender and how I present myself. As someone who is AFAB, assigned female at birth, I feel that there are some things I can't fit in with and reject about the expectations of women. Previously, I've worked to break down stereotypes of what women can do, Now I have been considering a neutral slate and using they slash them pronouns. As a background, my boyfriend and I have been together about a year. We have a loving relationship, consistently have healthy, calm arguments, and talk regularly about our future and long-term plans. I wanted to bring up a potential shift in the language we use to identify me, and it went worse than expected. He essentially told me that if this was something I wanted, it would change our relationship dramatically and probably end it. He felt as someone that identifies as straight, he wanted to be with a woman. This was a really challenging conversation as I haven't made up my mind yet, but wanted to explore. So my question is, is it worthwhile to only be quote unquote out to yourself? Should I continue to seek clarity, even if it ends our relationship? How can I be sure that this is the right decision? I.e. what if I end up rejecting that identity and the relationship ends over nothing? Should this be a deal breaker? Any thoughts you have would be great. Sincerely, gender confused betch. All right. Since the emailer seems to be implying that they're still using she, her as of right now, we're going to refer to them as she, her throughout the rest of the discussion. This is an awesome question and I'm happy to help her tackle it. Unfortunately, I think there's more here than what we can help her with just based on what she's given us in the email. Mm-hmm. But what I what I do think is all the things we talk about in here in terms of like seeing where your feelings live in your body. I wonder, you know, I think it would be important for her to explore all the parts of her gender identity and which parts are working for her and which parts are not working for her as a bigger exploration. So I do think, yes, she needs to continue to seek clarity on this. And I do think it would be helpful for her boyfriend to be a part of that process in some way. 
but is it about, I guess my question for her would be, is it about the pronouns, right? Is that the part that she feels really strongly about? Is that the part that she needs for him to accept? Or can she feel okay in herself with whatever else might be her way of identifying. So if she wants to dress a certain way, if she wants to talk a certain way, if she wants to engage in certain activities or hobbies or whatever it is, can she feel fulfilled enough with that? Or is it about the pronouns? And is he rejecting the pronouns or is he rejecting all the rest of that stuff that Mm -hmm. she wants to do to feel more comfortable in herself? And the other question is, is this about you know, she said before, what did she say about more of like a societal issue? I've worked to break down stereotypes of what women can do. So is this something that is for her because she wants to be, you know, present herself in a certain way or be free to just express herself in a way that she doesn't feel like is acceptable to other people? Or is this about making a larger statement and making a larger difference in general. Right. So I long story short, I think there's a lot of questions here in terms of what is it that she's really looking for because I don't think this is just about the pronouns. And yeah. that might be what he's focusing on as like this is a deal breaker. Yeah, and I think that it's kind of like I can understand where if it while if it came out of nowhere, he would be like maybe put off and maybe like need a minute to like think about it in a certain way because it is a, I mean, it is a big thing. It's kind of like, it reminded me a little bit, obviously it's a totally different question about like a very different issue, but it reminded me a little bit about the person who was dating someone who wanted to quit his job and become a teacher. Mm -hmm. Not obviously completely different issue or completely different, you know, lifestyle change. No, but I get what you're saying. It's like an change in identity. It's a shift in terms of who you think you are. Who who I thought I would be with. Right. Right. Life I thought I would have. I don't think it's totally insane to hear hear that from a partner and then be like a little jolted, maybe not give the most supportive response because you kind of, it, it can feel seemingly like it's going to be a big change for your future and what you're seeing. So I think I would cut him a little bit of slack and let him like maybe work that through in his own head. But I would say simultaneously exactly what you said. She definitely, if I were her, I would definitely talk to a therapist about this. There seems like there's a lot to unpack. I don't think she needs to decide immediately. Like you said, like you can feel something one minute and feel maybe a different way, a different minute. And so maybe she's brought this to him without fully coming to terms herself with what it means to her and what she actually really wants to do. And so I think it'd be better to come back and revisit this conversation after she's done that work. Right. I completely agree. I think just, you know, maybe even the way she approached it, which was, I don't know, it seemed like at least for him, maybe this was out of the blue. Like I think approaching it as more of like a, a full picture of what is going on for her rather than just coming out of the blue with the pronouns when maybe there's, I'm sure there's more to it than that in terms of what she's looking to, you know, what would make her feel better about her experience on this earth. And I hope he's willing to be a part of those conversations and that process. I think he probably, like you said, got scared of like, maybe what might this turn it, you know, what might happen down the road Mm -hmm. in terms of like, are you going to maintain your, you know, 
female body because I'm attracted to that or, you know, what's going to change in terms of our sexuality potentially. Like I'm sure his mind is running wild with where this may go down the road. Right. This isn't something that is just, I don't, I think it, it would be sort of naive for her to think that she could just bring up like, I want to be referred to as they, them over dinner one night with no further discussion about why or what this means right. or how or what, you know, what her With an immediate is. 100% supportive thing, because that is a big thing. Again, I mean, you think about the one of it that's just about a career, changing careers, which to me seems like a low, not even as big of a deal necessarily as this thing. I mean, some people might disagree, but where like, I agree, I think that, that was the advice them too. Like, what don't you like about this? I think if you start with like, I'm unhappy. Mm-hmm this is how I'm feeling. And then maybe you can work on that together. Or, I mean, again, if you, if you do, if she does do her own work on this and decide that's what she really wants and that's not something that he's interested in, then maybe the relationship isn't the right relationship for you. Right. Again, I think this is a big process for her to explore for herself and, you know, just looking at like, what are the moments that make up this decision? Like we always talk about like, there's probably something that happens that creates a flood of intense emotion. If it's somebody that's saying you can't do X because you're a female, or you shouldn't be wearing that because you're a female, or why are you talking this way because you're a female, whatever those moments of, you know, emotional flooding or reactivity are becoming, I would recommend to her that obviously in addition to therapy, that she just you know, maybe even makes a little log of these moments that she has where she feels uncomfortable with she, her, like, why, Mm -hmm. where is that coming from? What's making you uncomfortable? Because it's, you know, I'm sure it's more than just the use of that. There's some implication about what you can do, what you can't do, what you should do, what you shouldn't do. So just paying attention to the little moments where she feels triggered might help her get a better understanding of the big picture of what it is that she's um, trying to do. And then she can communicate that to her boyfriend and say, it's Mm -hmm. not that I want to transition to becoming male, or maybe she does. And if that's what it is, that's what it is. But it's not necessarily that. It's just that in these moments, this is how I feel. Right. And I think that he'll take it a lot better that way. And also, even regardless of if he does, let's say he doesn't take it a lot better that way, or it's not working for him. I think that'll still, that's something she should do regardless of his... Yes. Opinion or what he's going to do, because like it shouldn't, the whole thing shouldn't even just hinge on if he's into it or not. It should be more like, I think she should work. It's very beneficial for her to work through that regardless of whoever her partner is just for herself. Totally. Totally. All right. Well, I love that question. It's definitely something that we haven't tackled before. So yeah, I thought that was a very good, interesting question. Summer is just around the corner, so it's time to say goodbye to those jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces I want that will keep me looking fresh year after year. I got the most beautiful silk skirt from Quince. I am so excited to wear it. It fits amazing. It is so well-priced for the high quality it is. It looks so expensive, but it's actually quite affordable. Quince has amazing items like premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14-karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman by partnering directly with top factories and passes that savings on to us. 
And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, so you can feel good about what you're wearing on every level. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash oversharing for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash oversharing to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash oversharing. Let's do Betches. Do you want to read this one? Yeah, I'll read this one. Jordana and Dr. Naomi, thank you for this podcast and your thoughtful responses. I love listening every week and your content has helped me navigate and grow in my own interpersonal relationships. I'm writing about a triggered or Betches scenario, possibly trigger warning. In the past, my fiance has commented on other women's bodies, and I expressed how this felt disrespectful, even if he's pointing out a hot actress in a movie or show, like I'm right here, and of course she's gorgeous, she's making millions. He eventually stopped, but fast forward to this weekend, he brought up how he wasn't attracted to other women at a dinner party we attended, because they quote unquote, didn't take care of themselves. Not because I'm engaged, (laughs) just because of that. Right. Okay. He went on to talk about how he couldn't be with someone who let themselves go and used other ways to describe how they were generally overweight. He saw that I was uncomfortable, so he asked for my perspective. I mentioned that I appreciate how he takes care of himself, but again expressed how uncomfortable it was to hear about other women's bodies, especially because I had disordered eating when I was in college. The conversation became an argument, and there were two separate issues. One, It's disrespectful to talk about other women's bodies, but I should not have downplayed my difficult relationship with food. Though I'm recovered and sought therapy, he didn't know if it affected me so deeply. Two, I can't regulate what is and isn't okay to gossip about, and I admit I vent to him a lot about my friends. For further context, I see a cycle of orthorexia in my fiance's family. That's like obsession with healthy eating. Mm -hmm. So I understand why he talks about people's weight lifestyle like it's yesterday's news. I'm not defending the behavior, but I'm left wondering what I should have done differently. I felt like I hinted heavily to disordered eating, and he felt hurt that I've never really talked about it. I still feel like it's inappropriate to talk about other women sexually, regardless if I'm triggered by how he isn't attracted to bigger-bodied women. I don't want to be intimate with him immediately after this argument because we haven't apologized and talked about it. We generally have good communication, and I'm the one who needs to work on expressing myself, but it's obviously bothering him, and I don't know how to move on from this. Thanks for giving this a read, and I respect you both so much. Not Scarlett Johansson. Okay. A lot to unpack here. Yes. There's it seemed like he was like a little gaslighting her. Like I was thinking the same thing. Her being upset with this very rational, because it's like the two takeaways are that I can't decide like what's appropriate and not appropriate. And um, I should have disclosed my eating disorder sooner. Yes. That seems like not at all giving herself any slack or appreciation for the fact that what he's doing is, I think, super disrespectful and annoying. Yeah, I agree. I think he was definitely like trying to shift the focus off of him. And maybe that was just, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe that was his way of saying like, I, I'm sorry, I didn't know this. I wish I would have known it sooner. You know, like I, I maybe would have been more sensitive if you would have told me maybe that's it. But it does sound like there was a little bit of a blame that she walked away feeling like, well, this was my issue that I didn't tell him sooner. But I do think that the whole, I could see why this is really upsetting to her that him saying I could never be with someone who's let themselves go, which is basically like my love is not unconditional. Yeah. And he's saying that like frequently. 
It seems like right. he really wants to like drive home the point. Yes. Because to me, what other reason would he have for continuously saying this, even though she said it makes her uncomfortable mm-hmm. to her? Like I almost, un- I could understand maybe more potentially if he was saying this to like a friend or something like that, or some, you know, someone in his family who shares these views, but she clearly doesn't. So right. to me, it's like, why tell the person that you are with that you couldn't be with, like until, unless you really want them to know that this is like a, a big priority for you. Right. And he's probably looking for some reassurance from her of like, don't worry, I'm never going to let myself go. So we can get married and you can spend the rest of your life with me and I will always look really good. Right. Like maybe he's looking for her to just say, because they're not married yet and he's committed and, and proposed and maybe feeling like, oh gosh, you know, I hope she doesn't end up like these, you know, women at this table. Um, right. and he, he might be looking for reassurance from her and she's kind of like, I don't want to give you that reassurance. I want to be able to be who I am, whoever I am. Yeah. Yeah. The other piece is like, what is okay and not okay to gossip about? Because she's kind of like, well, if you talked about like how ugly their sweater was, or if you talked about like how, you know, they have acne and like whatever, then that might be okay with her. And that might be something that she's willing to talk about. Some sort of other superficial critique of a friend. Right. But I do think that's different than complaining about a fight that you had, or if someone has a negative, maybe like personality trait that's bothering you. Right, for sure. I think he probably was turning this into like, well, you talk shit about your friends all the time and it's okay. But when I talk shit, now you're mad. Right. But clearly it's because she's feeling insecure about your unconditional love or she's feeling, and and I guess that's the question is, you know, is it that you're afraid he's not going to love you anymore if you gain weight? Or is it that you are some feelings of self-loathing or poor body image are coming back up for you when you hear him talk. Like, I think then it's probably both, I would assume. Right. And what if you just think it's kind of like an icky way to talk about yes. women? Mm-hmm. But I think that's when he'll be like, well, how come you can talk shit and I can't? You know, like you can talk about her hair and how it's thinning or something like that. Yeah. Well, but if you... she's doing that, then maybe that is something right. she should probably evaluate. Right. And it sounds like maybe because she writes, I vent to him a lot. Well, vent about your friend's personality and the way they're treating you is different than talking about the way they look. Yeah. I don't think most people vent about like their friend's acne. Right. (laughs) I can't even look at that. (laughs) Like people vent usually when it's like, they're always late. It's so annoying. Or, you know, they're so cheap and I always have to pick up the tab. Like those are things that actually kind of affect you. I feel like that you would be venting. Like if you're venting about someone's physical appearance, I feel like there's probably... That's sort of, I think, I don't think you'd be writing this email. Totally. Yeah. She writes, what is okay and not okay to gossip about? And if it's like somebody did a thing that you thought was inconsiderate, that's probably a lot more okay to gossip about than somebody, something that they can't help about themselves that you just want to criticize for no reason. Well, that's something you can work through. It's like someone, if you, if I complain to you that I'm annoyed that my friend is always late, we can discuss, you know, like, a way around, like there's could be like some sort of solution based discussion. If I complain to you that my friend has acne, I don't really know like what solution based discussion that's going to yield. Right. And that's why this is probably upsetting to her because the idea that there would be a thing about her 
that's out of her control that he finds so disdainful feels like a roadblock that you potentially couldn't move past. Right. Versus if he's like, I don't like it when you don't, you know, when you call me when I'm out with my friends. Okay. Well, I could like work on that. Right. You know, do you feel like there's maybe something where he's sort of, again, I feel like he's doing this like weird gaslighty thing where he's making it about the fact that she didn't tell him. Do you think he's, it doesn't sound like he's upset that she didn't tell him because he cares about her and, and he would have acted differently. It sounds like he's afraid, he's annoyed that she didn't tell him because he's sort of annoyed that that might be an issue that she has and and thus further exacerbating his fears. Right. Right. I didn't even think about that, but you might be right on that. Which I don't want to like, I don't want to make her like spiral (laughs) or anxious, (laughs) but it just does seem like he didn't approach it in like a, I I wish she would have told me like I, I, I would have been so much more like sensitive or I wouldn't have said those things. And I don't know if he said that doesn't seem like she's saying he said that. It sounds like he's saying that like, how could you, not tell me this. Like, right. it's important for me to right. know. I wonder. I don't think we'll ever know, but I do think it's a good question for her to say, like, are you upset? You know, I don't know that he would tell the truth on that. I, I hope he would. Um, but is it because you feel like there was like a withholding of intimacy there, emotional intimacy, and that, you know, this is a part of me that I never shared with you and you feel left out? Or is it because you're afraid that this is something that I'm going to continue to struggle with. Yeah, this is, I could see why this is something that's making her not want to be intimate with him because there's like a more conversation that needs to be had than just, you should have told me about this. And the question is what, what is okay and not okay to gossip about? I don't think the, her two questions, I don't think are the questions. Yeah. And I think that it's totally fair to say to anyone, regardless of the reason they're doing it or whatever the thought is, literally in any relationship, I don't really like when when you comment on other women's bodies. Even mm-hmm. I understand that you might look at other women's bodies. I'm not like offended by the idea of, the, of right. theoretically of you thinking another woman is attractive, but I don't need to hear it. Right. I, don't, it's almost, I think yes. that's a fair. I think that's a, just a fair request. Very fair. of anyone. Even if you want to comment to your friends when you're when I'm not there, fine, if that's what fine. you want to do. But I, I do think he was almost like, okay, you don't like it when I say someone's hot, so I'll redirect it and I'll say someone's not hot. And these are the reasons why, um, which is like not a good move. Right. At least maintain the illusion of like, to me, it's like, you know, we get this a lot on you up where it's like, he's liking Instagram models pictures or he's commenting or he's following all these people. It's like, you could like it in your head. Right. You could dislike it in your head. Like, right. And again, like, it seems like the purpose of you doing this is to give me like a warning. There's some, right. I agree. I think the fact that he was initially bringing up how beautiful women were on TV and then she said, no, no. And then he had to bring it up in a different way about these other women who were not attractive to him. I do think there's something brewing there with him where he's feeling the urge to discuss maybe some fears about committing to someone forever whose body may change. And he's looking for some reassurance that it's not, but like, spoiler alert. Everyone's body changes. Yes. Yeah. So either deal with it or don't get married because if you're committing to someone forever, she's definitely not going to look like this forever. Yeah. I think that's a very, this would be a very important one to hash out before you get married. Or to have a real intimate conversation with. And it doesn't necessarily mean, again, I'm not saying he's like a monster. 
I think that like if he could approach this discussing his fears in a vulnerable, intimate way, like yes. it can be worked out. But if he's just going to be like, don't gain any weight or like, I'm going to be out of here. I don't think that that it's nice. It would be good to know that going in. A hundred percent. And I, I agree with that. I think it would, again, and you always say this, whether it's like about money issues that come up before a wedding or whatever these issues are, this is a great opportunity to have this conversation. And it is okay. And I think a lot of people, not to be stereotypical, but especially men, before they get married, have these fears of like, I'm never going to be with another woman. This is, you know, this, this person is the only person I'm ever going to have sex with again, or, you know, or maybe before committing to that. So I don't think it makes him a terrible person that he's having that thought or having that fear, but that's something that he's going to have to own up to himself about and, and kind of, you know, accept the reality through that, on his end. Yes. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's not going to be an easy thing for you to hear, but it's better for him to say that than to make the comments, than to, for it to seep out with these comments that he's making. Right. And it probably is all leading back to some insecurity that he has. So mm-hmm. even though he's making it about your insecurity, it seems like it's probably really more about his. Agree. All right. Well, I hope we get an update on that one. Yeah, for sure. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. I've been to therapy for many years, and I have to say, whenever I'm going through something really tough, therapy is the way out for me. It helps me like break down the issue, get to the heart of it, and figure out ways to cope with whatever is stressing me out. Nothing has transformed my life quite as much as my therapy experience. I can't recommend therapy enough, and BetterHelp is a great way into it. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Overshare today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Overshare. If you're like me and your CD organizer was filled with, now that's what I call, discs that your dad literally burned for you, you're a millennial. And if you're a millennial, it's time to add Clarins Multi-Active Cream to your daily routine. I have been using the Multi-Active Cream for a few weeks now, and I can already tell the difference. This cream does it all. It makes my fine lines and my pores look smaller, and my skin actually feels hydrated, which is really important for these like in-between seasons. I actually love all of their products. I'm a huge Clarins fan. I've been using them for years. You've been adulting a while, so the daily stress of trying to keep your life together can cause stress aging. Yeah, it's a thing. The good news, Europe's number one skincare line has a solution you can trust. Rooted in nature and innovated with science, Clarins has a long legacy of creating industry-first, plant-forward products. Using a skin charger complex made of 2% niacinamide and C. holly bio-extract, Clarins Multi-Active Cream has been clinically proven to target the first visible signs of aging by smoothing lines and wrinkles, refining pores, evening tone, and texture, and strengthening the skin's moisture barrier. While multi-active cream can bring back the golden age of boy bands, it can de-stress your skin. Go to Clarins.com slash oversharing and get multi-active day and night cream for 10% off, a free welcome gift, plus free shipping on your first order. That's C-L-A-R-I-N-S dot com slash oversharing with promo code oversharing. Clarence.com slash oversharing with promo code oversharing. 
do intentions. Ready? Okay. Hi, Jordana and Dr. Naomi. First off, I wanted to say I love this podcast. I listen every week when I go to work in the morning. It has helped me in a lot of ways. Thanks. I'm emailing because I'm running into this ruminating slash overthinking issue. I obsess over wondering if I said the wrong thing or offended someone at work, constantly wondering how my coworkers perceive me. Ever since I've graduated college, my anxiety and overthinking have got a whole lot worse. Before a work social event, I get really nervous. After the event, I spent the rest of the day going over the things I said if I think it didn't go well. When I try to voice this issue to people in my life, they kind of brush it off like it's no big deal, but I can't help to think this comes from a bigger issue. Maybe insecurity? I overthought about things in college, but not to this extent. I also didn't get nervous going into social events in college and consider myself an extrovert. I wonder if once I got into the real world, my confidence plummeted because I wasn't in my college bubble anymore. Everyone in my office is about 20 to 40 years older than me, so it's hard to relate to anyone, and sometimes I feel like I don't belong. I feel like I have to prove that I'm a nice guy to get rid of anyone's preconceived ideas about me, but this need to be liked is stopping me from my normal, authentic self and coming off as not genuine, overly nice. Now I overthink about being too nice. (laughs) I definitely have some walls up that can come down, and I've been at this job for about 10 months now. I just want the people around me to see who I am as a person and not feel so misunderstood. Would love to set some intentions and affirmations. I can say to myself, and any advice would be appreciated. Thank you so much. Sincerely, maybe the first guy betch on this podcast. Oh, I love this. I wish we, I do, I'm happy that he wrote in. I like having guy betches. Um, Same. It might be the first. Yeah. We well, welcome. We no, sometimes, welcome. sometimes it comes like a little neutral and you don't know if it's male That's or female, true. but this is the first explicitly. Yes. I think. Male one. So tell all your friends. We want to hear from them too. Yes. So this does sound like it's in the context of work more from the way he's describing it. Like it doesn't sound like a general social anxiety about needing to be liked. It sounds like it's a, in in this work context, um, which I kind of get because if I was working in an environment where everyone was two to four decades older than me, I could see why it feels a little bit like maybe you have to prove yourself or you don't fit in or there's, you know, people are being judged. Or, yes. Yeah. yeah. I can definitely see that. Um, or, you know, I think there's probably a feeling for him, you know, I don't know what the preconceived notions are, maybe something around being young or inexperienced or, um, entitled or. Right. Or that it maybe like, he feels like, again, because it's this new environment, he doesn't know what he's doing. Everyone else can see that or, or he's, he's not being appropriate because he doesn't know how people who are that much older than him, like are interacting with each other. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a tough spot. One of the things that I thought for him is like, maybe he, and it's probably against everything that he's thinking, but I think if he could find one or two people there to be a little bit more vulnerable with and be like real with, he might feel a little bit more connected in his workplace. You know, the way that maybe he is with his friends where he doesn't feel like he's constantly having to uphold an image which I think can give you this feeling of anxiety and like the rumination that he's having because it's like he's he's not being his true self. So it's like if you're constant, like, you know, if you're holding one of those masquerade masks in front of your face all day, your hand's going to get tired after a while. And you're going to be like, I just want to put this thing down. 
And like, right. but I have to keep holding it. And it just probably feels like exhausting and overthinking because he's not his natural self. He's maintaining an image that he thinks that these other people want from him, but they picked him for this job for a reason. So whatever his genuine self is, or whatever his resume is, or his, you know, credentials are, are enough. So I do think, I mean, I don't know if you agree, but I think that maybe finding someone that you can just be vulnerable with and say, you know, I feel, sometimes I feel like a little bit on the outside because I'm so much younger than everyone here. And there might be some relief in just being like, whew, got that off my chest. Find the other youngest, the youngest person after you. (laughs) Right. And you know what? I think people would really, even the older people, I think would feel kind of like, all right, I'm going to take you under my wing a little bit, or I'm going to, you know, maybe I was there at one point, I was the youngest one here, and here's how I related to that, or um, just something that someone can say where it's like, you know, give someone an opportunity to caretake you maybe a little bit and show yeah. like you're not expected to be perfect and you I can teach you something or you can learn from me or it's okay that you don't know everything yet. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Even like casually in like the break room getting coffee, you could just be like, oh, I feel so intimidated by like everyone else here who has so much more experience than me. Mm-hmm. Like that's even like a low lift kind of like self-deprecating what thing of like being a little vulnerable, opening the door to someone like, whatever preconceived notion someone else has about you, probably, again, like you said, softening them up to you. Right. And just being like, you know, dude, you're doing great. Like, you know, you're new to this. They're not going to fire you because you verbalize that you don't have 40 years of experience. They know that from your resume. So you acknowledging that out loud to them, they're not going to be like, oh my God, did you hear what he said? He said that he's inexperienced. Like we better let him go. I mean, he's right out of college too. Right. Of course he's an experience. Right. They know what they got. So I do think there's probably some benefit there of you maybe showing a little vulnerability so that you can see that they are going to accept you for you. You know, and also the fact that if you are being your true self and you are just letting that go and this they, they let's just say they fire him because of that or they don't you know appreciate who he really is, then this probably isn't going to be a good look fit for you long-term if you have to maintain this image long-term in order to, you know, have this job. Yeah, definitely agree. You could also ask for like a mentor. Sometimes Mm. some companies are very interested in, I think anything that expresses that you want to be better at your job or fit in better. Anyone, I think people are always open. Anyone above you at the same level as you, and people are usually very receptive to you wanting to improve in any way. Mm Mm-hmm. And obviously this is, I I totally agree with that. And this is bothering him enough that he's ruminating about it to this extent that it's just something's got to give in terms of him um, forming a connection there where he can feel accepted. I mean, what is connection, right? It's like Mm -hmm. genuine acceptance of vulnerability. That's really what that kind of boils down to in a lot of ways. So you know, one of a little mantra that I put down for him is connection over perfection. So like, instead of upholding this perfect view of like, I have to be the nicest guy, I have to be the smartest guy, I have to be the best, realizing that you might feel better and others might feel better if you can lean into creating some more genuine connections with your coworkers. 
And then the last one that I wrote down was as far as an intention, I intend to allow my genuine self to guide my path. And that can work for this and it can work for any, you know, a relationship or, you know, whatever it might be. But here, if, if your genuine self is not what they want and nobody likes you and they ostracize you and you're, you know, they fire you or whatever, then this isn't the path that you should be on because that's just not going to feel good long-term to be in that type of environment. Yeah, I agree with that. And just to normalize his feelings as someone who works in an office sometimes, I know you don't, I know you don't have a ton of coworkers, Dr. Naomi. <laughs> yeah. Uh. <laughs> um, Quiet down back there. Everyone feels this way at any level. Like I often leave a work event and was like, did I say something stupid to that person? Yes. Or like, did I come off? Am I still being respected by this person? Like, did I say too much? Did I say too little? Did I give not enough feed? Like everyone, I think, questions. That's a very normal feeling to question things you said in an, in an event that's supposed to be a certain way. And you're not sure if everyone's going to re- receive something in the way that you said it. But that's just, I think that's just life. And that never fully goes away. And um, it's okay. Right. Totally. I'm glad you said that and validated that because I do think every single person has a social event where they come, you know, they leave and they think, oh gosh, I shouldn't have said that. Or what did that person think of that? Did I come off like this? Right. Or what are they going to think? And it's so funny because most vast majority of the time, I feel like everyone's thinking that and everyone is only thinking about themselves. Like everyone is leaving the party and not thinking about what you said. They're thinking about what they said. Right. Um, Unless it's like totally, you know, out there. Right. Unless you said something actually crazy. But I think just by the, it's also the other thing. It's like, but just by the nature that you're thinking about how what you're saying is being taken in by others, you're the less likely person Mm -hmm. that's going to be the one saying something crazy and inappropriate. Agree. Yep. Like those people are, the people who are saying the crazy and appropriate things aren't going home and saying, well, how was that taken? They're just, (laughs) they don't care at all. Totally. Um, I agree. So you have a lot of wiggle room to give yourself slack that, you know, you're not saying anything that anyone's really giving too much thought to. Agreed. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high end stuff? I have a solution for you. Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly has a subscription clothing rental service. For just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles each month. You choose whatever you want to rent for whatever you have going on. It's totally up to you. Access to thousands of styles from more than 400 brands. There's no fees, late fees, damage fees, or fees to pause or cancel. So it's no big deal if you lose a button, spill something, or you just need to take a break. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X as well as petite and maternity. Get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning in newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. Newly is a great value at $98 a month for any six styles. But right now, you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code OVERSHARING20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com, that's Newly with two U's, and enter the code OVERSHARING20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y dot com. Newly with two U's with code OVERSHARING20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. We've all been there. You have a question about your credit card. You call the number for help and can't get a hold of anyone. 
if only you had a Discover card. With 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right, a real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. What's the trigger? Let's do that. Want to do the first one? Okay, sure. Hi, Dr. Naomi and Jordan. I love the pod and listen to it every week on my hot girl walks. Okay, I'll try to keep this as short as possible. My roommate's friend's little brother was staying in her room while she was traveling until he found a permanent apartment. That lasted about two weeks. Mind you, I just moved into the apartment the week before he got here, so still getting settled. My roommate just got back a couple of days ago, and as expected, the friend's little brother has still not found an apartment, so he's now sleeping on our couch. I'm not terribly annoyed at this, since he did offer to pay us both, but he's 21 and in college, so having him stay here is pretty much what you'd expect. He doesn't clean up much after himself and doesn't help out around the apartment. Keep in mind, we live in a pretty small New York City apartment, so there isn't much living space. Now for the how much can I be triggered part. I like how she's like, now for that. Like, I've been like triggered the whole time on her behalf, being like irritated (laughs) by the situation. (laughs) Totally. Like, there's more. Um, Let's see. (laughs) He made a comment about locking my cat in a small extra room we have because my cat was annoying him at night while trying to sleep. I kind of just ignored the comment and just brushed it off like, yeah, he's kind of annoying. But this morning he woke up and said he was so close to locking my cat in the extra room for being so annoying, but he didn't because he felt bad. This kid also stays up super late, as is. I'm talking 2, 3 a.m., so he doesn't seem to care much about sleep. Maybe I'm overreacting because I love my cat, and this guy is basically a stranger, but these comments are really starting to annoy me, especially because he's definitely overstaying his welcome. By the time he leaves, he will have been here for a month. So my questions for you both, how triggered can I be about his cat comments? Additionally, how triggered can I be about the whole situation? I feel bad since I know how hard it is to find an apartment in New York City. However, he did already get accepted to one, but turned it down because it was too small. (laughs) He doesn't seem to be trying that hard to move out of here. Thanks for all you do. Sincerely, he doesn't even live here. Oh my God. This person is a lot more forgiving than I am about the situation. This would like, I think it's funny because she strikes me as someone who's like a very easygoing person. Mm -hmm. Just the fact that she's let it go this. And I think this happens sometimes to easygoing people. And I, I consider myself somewhat easygoing. I think you're like really easygoing Mm -hmm. to where you wind up like agreeing to things because you're kind of like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. I like don't really. And then, but then you wind up having to live with the consequences of like being your too relaxed self when it's like totally when you're like, sometimes I wish I could be like, like more of a non-relaxed person who wouldn't have let this fly and wouldn't be in this situation. Right. Well, the non-relaxed person is like playing it forward. Like, what if he doesn't leave? What if he, you know, like a non-relaxed person might have been like, absolutely not. Like, he's not staying at all or he's not staying on the couch or, and she was kind of like, all right, no big deal. Stay. stay." And then after a while, you find yourself in this situation that now has become irritating and you can't kind of untangle it. So... I do agree. Hopefully this can be a lesson for her um, that she might have to set boundaries a little bit sooner. And yes, I think the boundary was crossed when he like threatened to lock up her cat. Right. Um, He's not paying any rent. Like, right. No, well, I think they said he is paying rent. 
No, he said well, he, he offered to pay rent. Oh. Right. He offered he's in college. But it's like, she's like, but he's in college and he's 21, so he doesn't make any, or he just graduated college and he's 21, so he doesn't make any money. Like, that's not your problem. Right. I think, like, there is a sense, like, where that's what I was thinking when she said that. I'm like, all right, so, like, this is your roommate's brother. Have your roommate pay his rent. Mm-hmm. Make it her problem. Have your, his parents pay his rent. Like, yeah. you shouldn't suffer because he can't pay his rent. Right. I do agree. I, yeah. Uh, I agree. I could see why she's triggered. And I do think, and, and I would feel, you're right. I feel like I'm very similar to this writer where like, I would be like, okay, no problem, no problem, no problem, no problem. And then when they like make a comment about the cat, I'd probably lose it. You know, like that would be the straw that broke. Like I'm letting you stay here. You touch my cat and <laughs> your bag is, your, your stuff is going to be in a hefty bag on the street as, uh, as we say. Yeah. Your apartment, the apartment that you got accepted for is too small. Right. Like get the hell out of here. What are you talking about? <laughs> um, See how you totally. like living in your car. Right. So yeah. Once it comes to like your loved ones, the, it's tough to, to let that go when you feel like you're being so nice so nice yeah. so nice i'd give this like an eight on the triggered scale this would have i mean it's also kind of like the common is triggering but the entire thing like every day he stayed there would annoy me more but i think this is a good lesson in like maybe being a little more confrontational than she would like to be and she could say to the roommate listen like i know he's your brother and like i was fine when he was staying in your room but like i do feel like this is my living situation like it does feel like kind of tight in here and this isn't like totally what i signed up for right. so let's like give it a time frame yes. for which he'll be out or, or he can start paying is, rent yeah i mean but i don't even think she wants that like i don't, I don't think especially she does if either, he's so. she's going to have to be worrying about like him and the cat and what's going on the other thing they can do if he really needs a place to stay, like you said, and it's not her problem. He can stay in the room with the sister or whatever it is. Like you want to stay here. The couch is common area and my cat walks around here. If you want to go into the bedroom and put a sleeping bag on the floor or sleep in the bed with your sister or whatever you want to do, that maybe is a reasonable accommodation. But this space is for me and my cat and... (laughs) and you know the common area and so there's a couple of options here i think to to disentangle um but i think it's a good for those of you out there and a lot of people deal with this where someone needs a place to stay temporarily i think it's good to set a timeline ahead of time where you say okay i'm down i'm okay for like two weeks but after that he's either going to have to move into your room or he's going to have to move home with your parents or something because that's my limit And I get how that's hard if you're a non-confrontational person, because I think it's so much easier said than done. Like I, someone who probably wouldn't want to be like ruffling feathers, Mm -hmm. Um, but it's a good thing to like learn how to do like set a boundary is like, does not make you like a, like, she seems like such a nice person. She's like concerned that he can't afford to pay them money to stay there. I'm like, even me again, I would be like, this isn't my, like, figure it out. Like, I'm not right. my son. Like, right. Totally. Yeah. Yep. Figure it out. I, I agree. I give it an eight. Yeah. I would agree with that. And, it, and you're, and I always say like your living space, that's like supposed to be your sanctuary, safe sanctuary to escape from everything else. So I can understand. Yeah. All right. Let's do another one. Okay. Hi, Jordana and Dr. Naomi. I have a story for your triggered segment that has just happened to me last night. 
My husband and I are trying to get pregnant again after a miscarriage 13 months ago, followed by another miscarriage about six months ago. Needless to say, I'm a little bit on edge surrounding the whole pregnancy thing. Last night after work, I got home and got ready to take a pregnancy test a few days early, but I just couldn't wait. As I had the test in my hand, my husband said, can I tell you something without setting you off? (laughs) No, the answer is no. (laughs) No. I said, probably not, but now you have to. He proceeds to tell me his stepsister, who we are fairly close with, is pregnant while I'm holding a pregnancy test. I was so triggered. His reasoning was to let me know that she had also recently had a miscarriage, which honestly made things even worse. And to add insult to injury, the the test came back negative, so I spent two minutes fantasizing about the two of us being pregnant at the same time, only to have those dreams crushed. I was furious. He kept saying things like, fine, I won't tell you anything again. And how do you think I felt? I spent a whole day keeping that secret. In other words, he found out the previous night, kept it to himself all night, all day, and then told me as I was getting ready to pee on the stick. I'm so upset. Hopefully someday we can laugh about it. But for now, I will go, it will go down as one of the worst timed pieces of news ever. Sincerely, too triggered to come up with a funny signature. <laughs> uh, I don't think this would have been taken well, like regardless of when it was delivered. But like in that exact moment, I could see why... The timing yeah. wasn't great. Um, after she received a negative test, would that timing have been better? Better? Maybe he was like, I'm just going to get this in before she finds <laughs> out so that if it's, if it's a no, she won't be even more mad. Right. Because uh, he, he had been holding it from the, and he's probably like, if I had, yeah, to give him a little bit of sympathy, I think he was probably like found out the night before, didn't really want to say anything, saw she was about to take the test and was like, I got to do it now. So it's not like worse after. Yes. But I think he probably didn't come from like a terrible place. Yeah. I think he was probably anxious about it. The whole, like how to tell her about it the whole day, the whole night, and then just couldn't take it anymore and spit it out. And it, you know, um, wasn't great timing, but unless he waited like a whole nother day, because right. I don't think, okay, she just got a negative result and then he's going to tell her like right after the negative result. Yeah. He probably, he needed to get it in before or wait even longer. Yeah, exactly. And then if she like, if she wasn't, maybe he was kind of, maybe he was hoping that you were, that she right. was, and then it right. would be like a nice thing, but it didn't work out that way. Yeah. It's, I could see why she's aggravated because it was, I think it's, it was that two minutes. It's almost like we talk about like emotions and time and it was that two minutes. Like, I don't think it probably made her mad that minute because she was like, Ooh, maybe we'll yeah. be pregnant. I think it made her mad after it was negative. So it was almost like something to project the negativity onto. Cause if she was really mad in that minute that he told her, she wouldn't have been like fantasizing about being pregnant together. I think maybe that was his hope that it would somehow be like a positive thing. I don't think there's a great way for him to have told you that. I can imagine it wouldn't have gone well either way. Yeah. I guess maybe if he had got to her before she had the test in her yes. hand, it would have been also she was testing early. So he's probably like, he she wasn't tests every day. There's no it. way around. Right. This. right. <laughs> It's true. <laughs> I see what she's saying, but I, I understand why it's triggering. I don't think it's like not triggering, but I don't think that like it's necessarily his fault. Right. And it, I guess, and he said, which I think is sweet, is he was trying to give her some hope of like, 
she also had a miscarriage and now it worked. Like now she's pregnant. So like, don't stress it. Like it'll happen because it, you know, it happened to her. So it could happen to you. So I think his intentions were good, but he probably just got impulsive about it because he was holding it in and, you know. Yeah. I've done that before where I'm like anxious to like say some news and then after a while I'm like hemming and hawing and rolling it over and when's the best timing and then something comes up that feels like similar and it's like blah, you know. Right. I got to just do it right right. now. And then he's, yeah, I don't think, I don't think there's a, I don't think you would have been that much less annoyed. I think you're annoyed at the situation, which is that someone else is, is it's something is working for someone else that isn't working for you. And I think right. that's totally normal. And I think it's totally okay to feel like jealous. Initially, it doesn't mean you're jealous forever. You can feel like a twinge of jealousy and then like move on with your day. But it is, I think when you feel upset about something that feels unfair, it does feel better sometimes to have a target to take that out on. Right. Cause it is hard to admit that like, I'm just not that happy for her right now because right. I'm really suffering and I'm really disappointed and and that's normal and I'll normalize that and it's okay to feel all of those feelings. Yeah. So I I I do think at some point you'll come around to just kind of like this sucks. I'm you know, it's hard to hear that someone else is getting what you want. It's okay to feel upset, it's okay to be angry, but I don't think that he did anything intentionally to hurt you and maybe even you know, was trying to do it in a way that he thought would make you feel better. But right. I actually think it's more hurtful when people like try to hide that information because it almost, I think it's like, like, I think sometimes it's like when you're, it makes it worse if someone doesn't tell you because Mm -hmm. then it's like, Oh, you didn't think I could handle it. Right. Like Like you're so fragile. Like they can't. Yeah. Right. Yeah, totally. I'd give the situation like a six not because of the t- the exact time. Like, I think you right. would have given this a six if he would have told her right after it was negative. Exactly. I think like any situation where someone is getting the thing that you're, tra- that you're trying very hard to achieve before you and you hear that news, it's immediately triggering because it's something you're insecure about. You don't feel secure in how you're in your path. And so hearing someone else getting the exact thing you want, I think is completely natural and would be a six no matter when you heard it. Right. Right. I do think him saying, fine, I won't tell you anything again. <laughs> um, Maybe not helpful. <laughs> not that helpful. Um, but he probably just felt like I, I can't win here. Which he probably couldn't. So, right. I mean. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think I give the situation like a six, even a seven. As far as the exact timing and what how triggering that was, I, you know, I would bump that down to like a three. Because I don't think it would have mattered that, like. Unless he waited a week, which he's not going to wait a week, you're going right. to still. Be and then you'd be of, like, you knew for a whole week, and you didn't say anything, right? Like, that you would think almost... I'm so fragile that I can't, <laughs> you know, handle this, right? And I think he would. I mean, that's what I would say if someone told me that. <laughs> right. Right. Totally. Like we say on you, there's no great day to break up with someone. Right. There's, <laughs> right. there's no great day to deliver bad news. Totally. All right, that's our time. Great work today. Oversharing is produced by Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Rebecca Salz-McCann. Editing by Basilio Perez. Guest booking by Ali Friedlander. Send your advice emails to oversharing at Betches.com or leave us a voicemail at 646-363-6294. 
Thank you to our sponsor, First Response. A lot of us test more than once. That's why First Response created the Triple Check Pregnancy Test Kit, which includes three different tests all in one box. The kit includes the early results pregnancy test, one digital pregnancy test, plus one rapid result pregnancy test that gives you fast results in just one minute on the day of your missed period or any day thereafter. Each test in the kit offers a different way to learn your results so when the time comes, you feel as confident as possible. All First Response Pregnancy Test products are available for purchase at all major retailers in-store and online. Be sure to pick one up today. Betches.